0: Welcome to the East City Wesleyan Church podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to learn more about East City Wesleyan Church, please go to ecw.org.nz for more information. Now, here's your podcast. So when I was 16 years old, I worked at a camp and it was a camp in the middle of a massive river, an island camp in the middle of a massive river and the river was probably about two to three kilometers wide and it spanned the entire length of the province. So, and it went and jutted out into the ocean. And one day we decided, me and a few friends, decided to canoe to the adjacent island, which was about a two kilometer trek to it and then the back half was about two kilometers and then two kilometers back. So it was about six kilometers overall to get from point A to point B and circumvent the island. And it was a beautiful day. It was absolutely wonderful out. And we thought this was gonna be a wonderful trip. So we got to the back half of the island. I was in the back of the canoe steering one and my friend Joel was in the back steering the other and we had two people up at the front. And when we got to the back half of the island, we noticed that the wind started to pick up and the swell started to get a bit intense because when a river is that wide, the weather impacts how the river operates considerably. So by the time we had actually gotten to the other end of the other island, The swell was probably about a meter high, going like this. The wind was just pushing in our face, and to boot, yes, very Canadian thing to say, um, the tide and the current was actually going the opposite way that we were coming, that we were wanting to go. So everything was working against us, and we still had two kilometers to get to our destination, which is back to safety. And I was just, we were in kind of fight or flight mode. We knew, we didn't even speak, we knew exactly the scenario. We knew that we had to canoe at the optimal and the best ability that we possibly could. And if we, at any point, faltered or became parallel to the swell, we knew that we were probably gonna topple over and we were probably gonna go downriver, potentially 20, 30 kilometers, easy. Because the river's massive and it's an incredibly strong river, especially when the wind's really strong. So I, was, I looked at this island next to me and I looked at this reference point and I, I, was just, I was just canoeing like crazy, making sure that we stayed as straight as possible as we were steering. And 30 minutes passed and I looked to my left again and I noticed that we had only gone 20 meters beyond my first reference point. And I was already exhausted. I felt completely hopeless in that situation. I knew that if the storm did not lift and the conditions did not get better, we were eventually going to be in a dire situation where I would, if I'd have slipped up once, we would go parallel, we would topple, and we would go downriver, potentially being okay, but not really, it wouldn't have been a good outcome. We likely probably would have drowned or died because we were very stupid and not wearing life jackets. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a serious situation. And after about an hour of intense paddling, it just stopped. Everything was crystal clear in the sky the The river was completely flat, and it 's like the current was non existent anymore and It took us only ten minutes to get it only took us ten minutes to go the two kilometers we needed to go because we were still paddling as fast as we possibly could what 's really interesting is that I felt completely hopeless in that situation. I could not find a way out, but there was still hope there was still a situation, there was still a scenario where things were going to be okay. And I don't know if you've experienced a situation like that in your life where you've actually had a near-death experience where you felt like things were really hopeless and, and things weren't going to potentially work out the way you thought it was. Or it could be a bit more relatable maybe in different areas of our life. Maybe we might feel hopeless in our life situation at this time where we don't necessarily see a way out where we might be stuck in a job because of the mortgage that we have that we can't quit the job because we're just chained to it financially, and but we hate this job and we really wanna change and we feel hopeless. Or maybe you're stuck in a marriage that you feel like is irretrievable, but you're just keeping things together because it's what's best for the family and you don't see how things are gonna reconcile. You feel hopeless. Or maybe you don't have any close friends anymore for some reason because life has kind of gone on and your friends have moved away and you feel hopeless that you won't have really close connections with people that you thought you had in the past and you feel hopeless. Or maybe you just have this sense of sadness in your heart that you can't really put a finger on what's going on but you just feel this overwhelming sense of hopelessness that you know is irrational and illogical but for some reason you can't just, you can't push it away. It keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. We all experience moments of hopelessness uh, throughout different seasons of our life. And if that's you this morning, I'm really glad that you came here today, because we're going to talk about hope, and we're going to talk about the faithfulness of God, and we're going to talk about why there is always hope, why there is always hope, despite how hopeless the situation is, you find yourself in might be. Are you ready to talk about hope this morning? You ready? Going to nod with me? Very good. This is the first thing we need to know. The arrival of Jesus is all about hope. We are fully entrenched in this Advent season right now. This is about the expectation, anticipation. Advent means arrival. This is all about the arrival of Jesus and what this actually meant. And the arrival of Jesus is all about hope. Because let me paint a picture for you this morning. Back 2,000 years ago, the nation of Israel was occupied by Rome. They felt completely hopeless. But what they knew was that long before they were occupied by Rome, God had promised to deliver them, and God had promised to give them the Messiah, give them God in the flesh. However, They were in a hopeless situation, and they were waiting. But what's really interesting is that the Messiah didn't come on a horse with a sword and with a shield to kick up the Romans. You had to really pay attention to where the Messiah was. You had to look into the sky and see a star. You had to look into a manger and find a baby in in a barn house, basically. You had to look in really humble conditions for the hope that you were looking for. This is the arrival of Jesus. This is why the Advent season and Christmas season is so compelling. Because the hope of the world came in the most unlikely situations and circumstances. The nation of Israel knew that something was going to happen, but they didn't know how and they weren't looking in the right places. And if I go back to my canoeing story, if it, during those, that hour of canoeing, if I would have just looked up once and looked into the horizon a little bit, I would have seen a slither of blue with the clouds over top of me. I would have known that if I would have paid attention and seen, I would have been able to see hope in the distance. But I was too preoccupied with my hopeless situation to actually realize that hope was just around the corner. And this is the situation we find ourselves in with the Israelites back in the day. And this is the situation we might find ourselves in right now. We might be fully entrenched in this hopeless situation. But I think what God wants us to do is he wants us to just look up like how the, uh, it's the Magi looked up at the star and they saw what direction Jesus was and they saw the Messiah and they saw the promise just like how I looked up, should have looked up and seen a blue sky in the distance. God might want you to look up and see that the situation that you're in this morning, this week, this month, this year, there's hope. Even where there might be a hopeless situation that you're in, he just wants you to look up and see hope. But the question is, what is this hope based on? Is it based on wishful thinking, or is it based on something more concrete, something more verifiable, something that you can actually have confidence in. Because hope sounds wonderful, but if if it's just wishful thinking, if it's just optimistic um, perspective on life, then that's not actually enough to build hope on. So this is where we get to our two passages this morning. The first that was read was Hebrews 11, one. And this is a famous, famous passage. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. A lot of the time when people read this passage, they see a definition of faith. And they see, incorrectly, a definition of blind faith. Where if you read that passage on the the surface, you're thinking, okay, so faith is trusting in something that I don't see, therefore faith is blind. That's not what the verse is talking about at all. The verse is based on a confidence of something that has already happened that gives you a hope for something that will happen in the future. So in this verse in particular, afterwards, um, the author talks about all these amazing people of faith who believed and trusted in God. And what they had trusted in God was not just something vapor, like something you can't really touch, it was something tangible. They trusted in the promise of God because they knew something about God. They knew that God was faithful to keep his promises. And in this verse in particular, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see, we're talking specifically in this verse about the resurrection. We're, talking in, we're thinking that Jesus was raised from the dead and he was given a resurrected body. And likewise, when we die and when Jesus comes again, we will be raised with Christ into newness of life. This is the assurance of what they're talking about in this verse. They're talking about the fact that God had promised through first Jesus' resurrection to then give you new life. Once you have died, now you are raised with Christ. And it is entirely based on the confidence of this statement is based on Jesus first being raised from the dead. It's not wishful thinking. It's not an optimistic perspective. It is entirely based on what has actually happened. The resurrection of Jesus was actually witnessed by people. If we put ourselves into the perspective of the first century and the people writing this, very likely, we actually don't know who wrote Hebrews, but there's a good chance that the person who wrote Hebrews had actually seen Jesus after he died and was raised from the dead. Not only this person, but 12 apostles. Not only 12 apostles, but hundreds of other witnesses had witnessed Jesus raised from the dead. So this hope in this future resurrection is not based on optimistic thinking or wishful thinking. It is truly based on a hope of confidence, on a verifiable eyewitness account of Jesus being raised from the dead. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then the entire Christian faith is foolish but if jesus is raised from the dead then everything the christian faith says is true and it is based on eyewitness account this is why they can have such great confidence in this future hope is because they've seen it with their eyes and they've spoken they had a meal with this resurrected jesus on a beach this is why hope is so important this is why hope is so important when it is grounded on something actually verifiable and something confident. This is a bit of a tangent, but eleven—it's believed that eleven of the twelve apostles died by martyrdom, and the reason why they died by martyrdom was because they believed in the resurrection of Jesus. So, if somebody has like a, a knife to your throat or something and says, "Denounce this faith," and they say, "Okay, I denounce this faith," well, then obviously they didn't believe what they professed to believe. But if people go to die, for something that they believe, then you know they really believed it. So what is the thing that they're actually tr- they're saying that they believe? The core thing that they believe is the resurrection of Jesus. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead and they knew it, they would not have died for their faith. But if it was true, then they certainly would have because they knew that everything mattered, everything hinged on the resurrection of Jesus. And that's ultimately where we find our Christian hope. And our Christian hope is based on the faithfulness of God. We know that God will be faithful to do what he says he is going to do because it is who he is. Our hope isn't based on just wishing that God will do what he says he's going to do. It's based on what God He s- says he will do. And he is faithful to do what he says he will do. That's the Christian hope. And then the second verse, in Romans 8, 22 through 25, I'm going to read a bit more of an expanded section of it. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the resurrection of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved a hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what has already happened? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. This verse is kind of explaining a bit more of the verse that I just read earlier. It's not hope if you already have it. It's not hope if you already see it. But you can be confident and have reassurance that what you do not see will happen because of what has already happened before. And in this verse in particular, it's like I already said, it's based on the resurrection of Jesus that we know that we have hope for the future, even though we don't see it yet. And all of this is based on the faithfulness of God. So you might be asking the question, Joey, so what is, what is all this hope, resurrection stuff have to do with the Advent season? I thought we were talking about Jesus' birth, not his death and resurrection. That's Easter. You're about six months too early. Five months, four months? I don't know. You're a few months too early. What does this have to do with Advent and the Christmas season? This is what it has to do with it. We have hope because we know that God is faithful to keep his promises, The Israelites prior to the advent of Jesus knew that God was faithful because of what he had already done long ago in Egypt through delivering the Israelites from slavery in Egypt all the way into the Promised Land. Based on this huge pivotal pivotal movement, they know that God can be trusted. Therefore... If God promises something, he is going to be faithful to follow through on that promise. And that should give you and I a whole lot of hope. And yes, I've been talking about when we're dead and when we're raised to new life with Jesus. So you might also be asking the question, how does that impact my day-to-day life before I'm dead? This is a really good question to ask because... We're living life right now. We have life with a bunch of challenges, a lot of good things, some bad things, and we're trying to navigate through this whole thing called life, and we're told to have hope in potentially hopeless situations that we might be experiencing and feeling. And it's already up on the screen, so you already know what's happening. Hope is real because it is grounded in the faithfulness of God. God made more promises than just that we will be raised to new life in the resurrection. He made more promises than just the Messiah will come in Advent. He's made specific promises about his relationship with you and I and how we can rely on him every moment of every day. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start reading a bunch of verses. And as I read these verses, I want you to just think about you and your situation and your circumstance. Isaiah 41 10 says, "So do not fear, for I am with you, do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. He's promised to be with you and to hold you and to lift you up." Isaiah 26:3 says... You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. If you trust in God, God promises to keep you in his peace. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Maybe you're in a hopeless situation you feel like God's not with you. God's with you. If your trust and your hope and your faith is in Jesus, God is with you. That's a promise. John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Psalm 37, 23 through 24. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though... He may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. We stumble through life, don't we? But we don't stumble as to fall because God is holding us up and he's lifting us up. Matthew 11:28 through 29. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Are you feeling worn out today? Are you feeling tired? Are you feeling exhausted? He's going to give you rest. Just lean into him today. There's hope. And the last one, James 1, 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Are you in a circumstance where you don't know how to get out of it? Are you in a really tough situation? Do you need a little bit of divine wisdom? Pray for it. There's hope. God wants to give you hope. There's an opportunity in this situation, in the hopelessness that you and I might find ourselves in for hope. I'm not promising, I'm not promising that the result and that you want and how you want to get out of this hopeless situation will actually follow through. Like if you hate your job, I'm not promising you that you're going to get out of your job. But what I am promising you and what God is promising you from what these verses are saying is that he's with you, that despite the hopeless situation that you might find yourself in, the one who gives hope and the one who is the ultimate hope is there alongside with you. Jesus is in your suffering. People ask the question sometimes, why do bad things happen to good people? And that's a really tough question to answer. I'm not going to answer that question. What I will say is that in the tough situation, in the suffering that you find yourself in, be reassured that Christ is there with you in your suffering. Christ is there with you in your hopeless situation. He died on the cross for you. He knows what it means to suffer, He knows what it means to feel hopeless. He knows what it all means and he is there alongside you. And I pray that the situations that you find yourself in, that God will resolve them. That if you hate your job, that you'll find a new job that you love. That if your marriage isn't working out the way you wanted it to, that you will find a resolution and there will be reconciliation. I'll pray for that or if you have a sadness that you just can't seem to to kick, I pray in Jesus' name that those sad feelings and feelings of depression will leave you. And I believe that God can do that, that he can bring hope in those situations. But the biggest thing is that God is with you. That is where our hope is. That is where we find our hope, is in the fact that God is with us. And this is what the Advent season is all about. God is with you in this Christmas season. He's with you right now. And all he wants you to do is rely on him to put your faith and put your trust in him this morning.